gang, it's our Thanksgiving show. Welcome to uh, Channel Q. On November 22nd, 2019, we have a Thanksgiving show. we got a great lineup today. We're going to start the show off with Daryl Cummings, who's the Chief Operating Officer of the Los Angeles LGBT Center, talking about homelessness in the LGBT community. And then after Daryl, uh, Sandy Sachs is calling in from New Orleans. Sandy was the founder of Girl Bar 30 years ago, brought to life the whole notion about lipstick lesbians. And there was a, even a television show created about her and her partner, Robin Gans, called The L Word. You may have heard of it. Uh, that kind of highlighted this alternative lifestyle for lesbians that uh, was a little different than uh, other, uh, other narratives about what lesbianism meant. And then we're going to conclude the show by having two of the reverends from the MCC churches on. Reverend Lucha Chappelle and Keith Mozingo are coming in studio to talk about what we as LGBT people have to be grateful for this Thanksgiving time in the height of Trumpism. Because sometimes it looks like we got nothing. But we do, right, Jay? Of course. Of course we do. Of course we do. Wait, is my mic working this week? Oh, my God. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay. So they must have fixed it because last week I had it unplugged. Yeah. yeah. Last week was weird. Like this mic just wasn't working. So I had to play sound effects to get through it. Yeah, and and you did. Inappropriately, I might add. Gang, we're joined by Daryl Cummings, who is the Chief Operating Officer from the Center. Daryl, welcome to Sidebar. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's great to be here. Good to have you here. You know, I know that in West Hollywood, Hollywood, we, we see a lot of our community out on the streets. Trans women, trans women of color, I mean, trans immigrants, uh, young uh, gay men who appear to be drug addicts, and they're all living on the streets. It breaks my heart. It's like, yeah, it's, what What do we do? It, it, it's, it is absolutely heartbreaking, but it's, it's not entirely surprising. Right. So our community is disproportionately poor, uh, despite what the common thinking is. Well, we're not all rich that. gay white males. We're not. We're not. <laughs> we're really not. And and let me just give you a couple of data points to start this conversation. Uh, even though there's very little data on our community anywhere, one of the things that we do know is that that based on studies, that somewhere between twenty and thirty percent of young people in foster care self-identify as LGBTQ. Now, that's a highly disproportional wow. rate. Yeah. Um, and then if you if you bump forward a few years, we, we know that uh, 40% of uh, young people ages 18 to 25 self-identify, that are homeless, self-identify as LGBTQ. So it's not, you know, we've had this some of this data for a while now, so it's not entirely surprising that across the board uh, this is true. Uh, and you know that we're seeing it more now on sidewalks and in neighborhoods, in large part because um, people have been flushed out of places that used to they used to squat on Hollywood Boulevard downtown that are now, you know, expensive condos and businesses, right. and uh, and so uh, you know, LA is an incredibly expensive place to live, as are many many places. So. Homelessness in our community is a real problem and highly disproportionate, in my so, view. So I know that um, historically the, the myth or the story, I think maybe it's actually more of a story than a myth, is that LGBT people would be kicked out of their homes because of uh, religious convictions of family members or or they were being brutally beaten or treated violently and they would run away and end up in the big cities, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles. Does that still happen in 2019? It still happens all the time, surprisingly, shockingly, yeah, uh, given that the, shocking. the, what we think the gains are that we have made. But And it's not just people coming from you know uh, small towns in southern states. It's people coming right from L.A. Uh, this is happening right here in Los Angeles throughout California. So we still have a lot of work to do to protect young people who really need it uh, and protection from their own families right for god's sake and they come to hollywood west hollywood because somewhere in their head they have heard of hollywood west hollywood the castro you know maybe the village in new york and they figure that's where i got to go people arrive and the word on the street is really strong Mm -hmm. where can i go where i'm going to be safe where can i go that i can sleep where can i get a meal uh, and so, you know, young people in particular that are homeless uh, find each other very quickly uh, and then uh, find out where they can go for any kind of services or help or safety. The um, other the other segment of this that I think we, is obvious to many of us as we're walking around, because, you know, I live in West Hollywood and I am not blind. I can, I'm actually an elected official that's charged with doing something about this. But I, I see young Mostly gay men muttering to themselves, you know, psychotic. Uh, and I, I think to myself, crystal meth, mental illness, both. Yeah, yeah. We see this all the time. 
in every age group, but it's particularly stark with uh, with young people. But you think about it: if you're if you're sleeping in a park, one of the things you want to do is protect your belongings and protect yourself. One of the things that Crystal does is keep people awake, uh, and so they can be awake all night. That has all kinds of over time, as you know. Uh, side effects, uh, ramifications for them, and you know, if you think about what, I mean, if you're if you're 15 years old and you get kicked out of your home by your parents and you get rejected by a religious leader and at school, you know, this takes a takes a real toll on your mental health. And so, the combination of mental health issues and substance use and all kinds of other things live within uh, the population that we're talking about, and probably even. Anecdotally, you've seen that you know this is disproportionately uh, LGBT people of color. Hmm. So there's a combination. This is where intersectionality lives uh, within young people or who are homeless or in the foster care system or incarcerated. When we come back, we'll be talking to Daryl Cummings more about what the center is doing about all this. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast another day in paradise by the incredible phil collins we're talking to daryl cummings in the los angeles lgbt center about homelessness in our community and we were talking about the different demographics earlier daryl but now what what is the center and your supporters what are you doing about it well we've been doing quite a bit even though it's clear that we're not meeting the needs so for example in our new facility called the campus um, we have uh, now more than 40 beds, uh, emergency overnight beds for homeless youth, another 54 um, uh, units for that, that where a young person could stay up to 18 months. And we're building uh, 24 uh, apartments for those young people. And we do things like um, collaborate with uh, West Hollywood on a variety of housing institutions in that city where we, we can place um, uh, young people, uh, people living with HIV or have mental illness that are also homeless. Uh, we have a, a facility called Triangle Square, which is affordable housing for LGBTQ seniors. Mm. Uh, it's 104 units. Um, and by the way, it maintains a 500-person waiting list at all times. Wow. Uh, we're building another 95 units at the campus. We anticipate applications for, for those apartments um, will number in the thousands. Uh, so there's another, there's another point that, you know, another data point, even though it's a little bit anecdotal about how 
great the need is. These are people that are currently homeless. They're living in their car, uh, or they're very home insecure, and they, you know, they're about to lose their apartments where they've lived with their partners. And um, so, you know, we also through our healthcare operations um, work with both people living with HIV and other primary care. Um, people are there for our primary care services who are uh, uh, without homes to uh, work throughout the county to get, find them places to live. But as you know, it's very difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and we're also able to, we have 75 uh, scattered site apartments for, um, for homeless youth as well. Right. That we well, can help them with rent. Well, the solution that. is, if it's homeless, is to build homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a big. I mean, if you if you don't have a place to stay, everything else becomes kind of irrelevant. So, as you know, we were talking, uh, homeless people often are dealing with a whole variety of issues. It might be substance abuse, it, it, you know, just generic poverty and um, mental health issues and all kinds of other things. And and in, in our community, you know, oftentimes we're we're single more often, uh, so there's not dual income. Uh, we don't have families that we can count on so um, it, it becomes even more difficult so it, you know a whole human being has to be addressed uh, housing is like step a it, people need to be secure on where they're going to sleep at night right. in order to think about other things I'm wondering if, um, if there's a disproportionate impact on transgender women and transgender men because often with that segment of our community there's issues of employability when there's issues of employability then there's issues about housing and ability to survive there, there's no question I mean Trans people of color, in particular, uh, are facing uh, enormous odds, and you know, employment is a is a really key issue. We just had a transgender job fair, um, and uh, we had. Uh, lines out the facility for people waiting to get in so it was maybe a thousand uh, trans men and women seeking employment and then a host of very mainstream companies uh, wanting to employ them so we're seeing that some some of that change but um, there's a lot to do with both uh, people seeking jobs and employers to make these matches work What about uh, churches and clergy? Any support? Is it our LGBT churches and clergy that work with us, or are there mainstream churches willing to get in there with our community? Well, there's both LGBT-specific and there's mainstream religious institutions that are friendly and supportive. So from a spiritual standpoint, there's places for people to go. And right. there's good work that people do in terms of you know, preparing meals sometimes and, and all that sort of thing. But um, but But... But by and large, um, the issues of homelessness and hunger and employment um, that are that, in my view, are in theory this responsibility of our government um, are left in part or in large part um, to organizations like ours. Mm. Uh, to address. So if people are listening around the country and they really care deeply about homelessness, and by the way, I think we all do. We, I mean, we're all impacted no matter where we are. What can people do to get involved? I would. I mean, one thing that's obvious to me is when you hear about housing being proposed, go and become a YIMBY. Yes, in my backyard instead of a NIMBY, not in my backyard. I, I think that's really important. I mean, here in L.A. County, and this is true uh, across the country, when governments have taken a step forward to provide shelter or temporary shelter or emergency shelter, in neighborhoods across cities, the reaction to that has been in large part negative. And, and our elected officials and bureaucrats rarely hear from those of us in those neighborhoods that say, yes, we're willing to do this. We want to do this. People deserve to be housed. And at the root of all this, and this is where I think people need to communicate, at the root of all this is the idea that it's okay for a certain number of people in our society to live, live without homes. Mm. And so those of us who believe that that is not true, and in fact, people have an inherent right uh, to shelter and housing and food and all those kinds of things, need to make that known. And we need to show up at housing authorities, and we need to show up at city council meetings that are when they're dealing with these kinds of things. Because what we're hearing otherwise is the other side that is both not in my backyard or they're blaming um, uh, people uh, who happen to be without homes. Mm. Are there volunteer opportunities available at the center or other there, places oh, there to are, help out? There are at the center. And people would just visit our website and submit an application for um, all kinds of volunteer work. But this is true about all other uh, nonprofit organizations. People need volunteers, and uh, we depend on them. So, yes, there, there are many. So I, you know, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I have to ask Daryl because I've known you a very long time, long time, time. <laughs> a very long time. We're of that age. <laughs> you have been at the center now for how long? 
since 1993 with a four-year break in between, so a number of years. Wow. Decades, so yeah. 25 yeah. years. Yeah. Looking back at your life's course, has this been uh, what you dreamed it would be? I mean, because talk about making a difference. I watch you. I've watched yeah, you over the decades yeah. in the places you show up, in the middle of marriage equality, uh, in the middle yeah. of gays in the military, in the middle of HIV, in the middle of hate crimes, in the middle of trauma and drama, and there you are, yeah. and obviously making a huge difference for thousands of people. Yeah, I, I think about when I first became an activist, you know, and I was mugged twice because uh, of my sexual orientation. Uh, you know, the, the organizations that were around, I mean, I did a little stint at the task force, National LGBTQ Task Force, a long time ago. There were three of us. Mm. Um, and HRC was just getting started. You know, like, it was just a different time, and it was very dangerous. We did those whistle campaigns, you know, to, to let, let each other know that we needed help. And today, you know, I run a LGBTQ-specific organization with 800 st- full-time staff. That's amazing. Uh, serving, you know, tens of thousands of people uh, every single month and advocating on our rights. I'm, I'm married. Uh, you know, I, I've been invited to the White House to meet the president because, specifically because I'm gay. You know, wow. uh, I mean, if you, you know, even though we're going through what I think is a very, very dark time for our country right now and our community in particular, um, I don't ever forget from whence we came and the, the shoulders in which we stand upon. And, you know, you and I have been around for a long time doing this kind of work, and my guess is that you, you look at this, as, and similarly to I, that our, the gains that we've made, when we were young, we would never imagine that it no, would be possible. Never. You never imagined never. it possible. And you, so it's important to hang on to that, that, that historical trend that so many of us have been a part of. You were a little queer kid in West Virginia. I was. And I was, was. a little queer kid in East L.A. <laughs> yeah. And I never thought I'd see the front runner for the Democratic nomination in Iowa as an openly gay man. It's, it's hard to believe. And you, know, you can't win an office as a Democrat. You can't even win a, win a primary nomination unless you're supporting our community. Right, and it just—it's absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And, um, so you know, I think we'll get through this dark period, and we'll and we'll you know get on a better path, and and uh, you know here in the United States, here in California, and globally, and you know we're a snowball rolling down a hill. We're going to win this damn thing, uh, you know, for everybody. If uh, if somebody is tuning in and they are experiencing homelessness or they think they're about to become homeless, what where would you have them go to? If get they have some access assistance? to if they have access to a computer, they can just go to our website, uh, which is the LALGBTCenter.org, uh, dot org, uh, or visit a, visit us at, at, at any of our. Uh, 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 our sites in in Hollywood. We're not hard to find. Okay, and uh, if you're in New York or Chicago or Miami, look for the center n- nearest you. There's there's you know there's hundreds of centers now throughout the country, and they're all there to help people. And even if they don't provide housing and other kinds of services, um, they know where to where that you can find them. Okay. So look at look for your local centers, and and they'll be of tremendous help to you. Wonderful, Daryl Cummings. You're one of my heroes, man. Chief Operating Officer of the Los Angeles LGBT Center, longtime activist, thirty years, thirty plus years. Yeah, yeah, yeah hard yeah. to believe. I yeah. said right back at you. John. I know, I, I know. It. Boomer, okay, Boomer, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Boomer. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a bride of a batch of pride now, gang. When we come back, we'll be talking to Sandy Sachs, the uh, founder of Girl Bar, thirty years ago. Lipstick lesbianism here on Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
All right. Closer. Taking it in, Sarah. Gang, we are live now on the line with us, calling in from the Big Easy, New Orleans, one of my favorite towns in America, the incredible Sandy Sachs. Hey, Sandy. Welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, so good to have you here. We were, we, we were talking, you and I, offline, but now we, not, we need to bring it online. Girl Bar started when? What year? Um, technically, it started in 1989 at the back bar of Revolver, if you remember the original Revolver. Yes, the original. In, uh, in West Hollywood, the original, where I was actually managing with, uh, with Robin. And we started to do girl bar in the, in the back bar. Like, you know, we used to let the girls in and come in, and, and, and it was a small, tiny bar, if you remember. That, that the little bar. tequila bar almost there yes, at the back side now, of the right, revolver. The tequila bar. And we said, you know, hey, let's do some girls, and why not? There's nothing really happening. And we'd cram in everybody there. And then we said, you know, this is just crazy because we used to do Thursday nights, and it was so busy that we moved it to take over the whole bar on a Wednesday night. Well, you know, we were doing that for about a year, less than a year when Scott Forbes, of course, of the famed Studio One, came over to Revolver and said, you know, wow, this is really incredible. And coming from him, we thought that was great because we'd always heard how much he really disliked women. Uh, so here he was saying, came over to us and he said, why don't you come over and do this at my place? And we were like, whoa, unbelievable. So we actually did. We moved uh, Girl Bar from Revolver over to uh, the back lot of Studio One in November of 1990. And so, you know, I, I mean, a lot of people in Southern California are familiar with the story of Sandy Sachs and Dr. Robin Gans. But for people around the country, they may not be. You You were pretty radical at the time because I, I think you two were the first two official lipstick lesbians. <laughs> we actually were, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, there, was I, yeah. a, there was a writer for the L.A. Times that in I think it, I believe it was like 91 or 92 actually coined the phrase lipstick lesbian because you know she came (laughs) (laughs) and she um and she came and she saw you know she came to the back lot and saw what we were doing and we had go-go dancers which by the way we were picketed for by our own community saying that we were objectifying women and um yeah, which we, we really didn't feel we were. You know, we just gave it, you know, we they were they were scantily clad, but nothing nude. And, and we hired real dancers. And it was just, you know, it was just eye candy and, and energy. Um, so she came in and did an interview and and coined the phrase. Uh, her name was Lindsay Van Gelder. Um, look her up. She, uh, she used to write for the L.A. Times. And from that article started a barrage of talk shows um, because, you know, all of a sudden now this this lipstick lesbian, what is that kind of thing, started out of this article. And Robin and I ended up doing like six talk shows, uh, six or seven or eight. I mean, I, I lost count, to be honest with you. It was insane. Yeah. And you you were all presenting an alternative presentation of what lesbianism was. Not to say that the masculine Butch Dyke was bad or didn't exist. Right, but she it, that did. was the stereotype. That was and the stereotype, kind of just, right. Right. And we just sort of broke the stereotype, which was why, you know, people were like, wow, what's going on here? Uh, so I think that's why it, um, that's why it peaked interest. Yeah. You know, I think the comparison for gay men is uh, the Tom of Finland presentation, because prior to that, the whole stereotype was effeminate gay man, effeminate, lisping, with a boa, colorful paisley shirt, lip-wristed. Not to say that wasn't true. That was true. But there were alternative presentations, the hyper-masculine, muscular, and all of a sudden we were able to expand what the meaning of, you know, gay male looked like. And I think that Girl Bar did the exact same thing for women. We did. You know, we just sort of uh, we opened up a a, a different door um, to let people know that, you know, that lesbians come in all, you know, forms and shapes and sizes, not just the the one that they they have a picture of. 
Right. I forgot about the picketers, but when you said it, I I, I oh, remembered. Gosh, then yeah. I remembered because <laughs> there were, I, I remember women in our community who said that any objectification of the body was, uh, and men, there were some men too, but uh, I mean, primarily women that, you know, porn was bad and, and that go-go dancers, bad. And and meanwhile, right. I mean, but, you know, we were just doing, I mean, we were just doing what the crowd wanted. I yeah. mean, clearly, if, 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 if our crowd, if the women were uh, objecting to it, you know, clearly we would have stopped doing it. But they, they actually, they loved it. And uh, we, you know, we, 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 we became famous for our go-go dance. I famous. Love, love I mean, to the point where, I mean, you know, we became the spot where like Madonna and Janet Jackson and everybody would come to get their dancers and then they'd end up stealing them. So, you know, we were, you know, it was Madonna came in twice, you know, and took a couple of our dancers and took them on the road. I love so, you know, that. We were proud of the fact that, you know, we, we actually had you know, trained dancers, and they were just there to sort of, you know, as I said earlier, add a little eye candy and 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 more than anything, just sort of energy. You know, they added sort of energy to the room. Gang, when we come back, we'll be talking more to Sandy Sachs, calling in from New Orleans about lipstick lesbians here on Channel Q. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Incredible Tracy Chapman, fast car. Another lesbian, maybe not a lipstick lesbian, but another lesbian. Sandy, you're still there with us? (laughs) But see, that's the thing. We come in all forms. Yeah, exactly. That that was the whole point. I mean, people forget, 89, when you started this, it was 20 years after Stonewall. Stonewall had happened in 69. 79, you know, we were at the height of Studio One, and then HIV and AIDS hit uh, everywhere in the 80s. And and then out of all that, uh, you know, I, I think that was the next step for the community was continuing to unfold itself and break down stereotypes and myths about our people. I, right, I was, can you imagine that it was it was only twenty years after Stonewall, and now we're looking. I mean, next year in November in twenty twenty will be Girl Bar's thirtieth anniversary. Unbelievable. And it'll be 50, yeah, I think 50. We, might, we might hang up our dancing shoes yeah. after that one <laughs> and, and leave it to the younger crowd. You know, Sandy, I was telling uh, listeners earlier, I, I went to the Studio One farewell, and I was out on the dance floor dancing to disco, and I looked across the room, and here's all these gray-haired men with wrinkled eyes and wrinkled faces, oh, and we're making eye contact with each other without saying a word, just acknowledging, like, we survived. We're here. We're here. We're still that's here. Right. And, oh, that's true. Yeah. Now, granted, true. we we wrapped up the dancing before midnight, but we were we were having a good time out there. I, you know, yeah, well, I, we're doing we're doing our own farewell on December seventh. And what's um, that about? Tell people about that. So yeah, so what that's about? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I, I, I have been in that building. Girl Bar was in that building from 1990 until I sold it in 2010 to buy the Bourbon Pub and Parade, which is also another iconic uh, gay bar, gay men's bar here in New Orleans, which, by the way, opened the same year um, that Studio One opened in 1974. Um, the Bourbon Pub and Parade here in New Orleans opened in 1974. So that was an inter- And that was the first gay bar I ever went to because I, I went to school here um, in 1979, and um, I came out basically here in New Orleans while I was in college with my college roommate. Isn't that a cliche? <laughs> um, and uh, the Bourbon Pump Parade was the first bar I ever stepped into, gay bar I ever stepped into. And then 20 years later, I, I owned it. So that, that was kind of crazy. But going back to the the other gay bar that I owned uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles, um, I became, uh, so we started Girl Bar in 1990, quick chronologically. In 93, Scott Forbes sold the bar, and I became the general manager. 
And I was the general manager of the bar from 93 till 99 when I then took it over and we did a almost $2 million renovation and made it the, the factory and uh, an ultra suede. Um, and, you know, I had uh, Girl Bar continued on there uh, uh, as well as other, you know, other gay promotions. And then, you know, as the years went on and, and gay bars were were not becoming quite as popular, gay kid, you know, the younger crowd were going to straight bars and whatever. You know, we, we had to do the same thing. We had to start bringing in other crowds like straight, you know, straight crowds and, you know, just different different demographics to, to keep the business going. And then I sold it in 2010. So now the building is coming down in January. So we're doing a, a, a last a hurrah. I mean, it's where Girl Bar effectively started. And we had, you know, many, many years. You, you used to come to the factory. I did. I did. I, I've, I've done every generation in that bar. <laughs> I know. Well, and the reason we called it the factory was because back in the 60s, the Rat Pack actually, you know, uh, had that space. Um, and they called it the factory. And, and that's uh, Frank that Sinatra, was, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., that rap yes, pack. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, it's that building is quite the history. Yeah, it's amazing that it's coming down. It's going to be reassembled, but it, it'll never be what it was. Yeah. It'll I never mean, be what it was. Yeah. And, and the reality is that young people today, I mean, this this is the challenge, I think, for LGBT people is we fought for the right to equality. So now here, I mean, we're, we're getting there. Not completely there, but we're getting there. And now a lot of young LGBT people are assimilated fully with their straight peers. Don't think twice about hanging out with their straight allies and straight friends and are very much immersed into the broader culture, which is what we were fighting for. But at the same time, they're not patronizing those unique LGBT spaces, whether it's bookstores or coffee shops or bars. And and so their business model is under threat, under threat. And con and conversely, I have to tell you what's interesting. Like for me, for instance, here in New Orleans, um, I, I get gaggles of of straight people on the weekend. I mean, you know, and 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 straight women who you know come and, and do their you know bridesmaids showers and you know all kinds of crazy stuff, and th- they don't mind being in a gay bar. They love being in a gay bar, right? You know, where before people you know would wouldn't step in a gay bar. Um, and now, you know, on any given weekend, you know, I, 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 probably a third of the crowd is straight. Wow, that's that's amazing. Every now and then I, I get the, the people will say, Mayor, do something about all the straight people in the gay bars. Kick them out. And my response is always the same. <laughs> yeah. Those those who demand equality must extend it. Oh, who are you, who are you exactly. quoting? As I'm quoting John Duran. I made that up. It's true. If you're going to demand that's equality, yeah. you've got to extend it at the same time. Yeah, put that one in the books. It's amazing, Sandy. I mean, so, yeah. So December seventh. So I hope everybody in LA will come and come and say goodbye with us. We've got uh, we've got a great lineup. You know, all of our old DJs. Jeffrey Sanker is flying up oh, from Puerto Vallarta. I love Jeffrey. I'm flying in from Fort Lauderdale, and we've got Chad Hudson and Manny Lehman and Kimberly S. and all the old old crew. Uh, everybody's coming back. Uh, you know, to just get together for that one last dance in the building. And yours truly, I will be there celebrating the end Good. of Factory so Access glad. and Girl Bar. I'll be there celebrating with all of you. So is there a website where they can get t- people can get tickets? Um, yeah, I think um, Chad Hudson Events. All right, chadhudsonevents.com. Chad Hudson Events, yeah, we've got an Eventbrite uh, where you where you can pick up tickets. We already, uh, literally, we had a, like an early bird special for a, a, a cheap price, and we sold out within two days. Wow, it's so, going to be packed. Now we've moved up to the next tier, so tickets are still available, but uh, it's, it's going to be a, 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 an action pack. So what we're doing, too, is like what we used to do back in the factory days, is that the guys are going to be on one side, on the factory side, and Girl Bar is actually going to be doing uh, what was, you know, ultra suede. Um, and then at twelve thirty, one o'clock, we're going to open the doors. You know, there's the double doors that separate the two clubs. You've got the two separate entrances. So we're going to have the girls on one side. We're going to have the boys on the other side, and and you know whoever else wants to come. And then at uh, you know twelve twelve thirty, we're going to open up the double doors, and everybody's just going to mix. I can hardly wait. That's going to be phenomenal. So, so it's going to yeah, it's going to be great. We're we're really excited. Sandy, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing the show. Hope to have you and Robin together. on 
on some other time. That would be fantastic. Absolutely, we'd love to. All I right. mean, we've got thirty year, thirty years of talk. Hard to fill how hard to fill that in eight minutes. All right. <laughs> See you December seventh, gang. When we come back, we'll be talking to the MCC clergy about what to be thankful for this Thanksgiving here on Channel Q. That's thankful. Kelly Clarkson singing thankful. And we are now going to talk about thankful and gratitude. And we're joined by two of my favorite people, two of our most reverend and revered people from the MCC churches, Keith Mozingo and Lucha Chappelle. Welcome, guys. Well, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome back. You've been, nice. you've been here a few times. And I yeah. appreciate you coming back. We um, are coming up on Thanksgiving. And so before you all got here, we had Daryl Cummings here from the LGBT Center talking about homelessness in the LGBT community and what that's about. And then we had Sandy Sachs, who was on, talking about the history of Girl Bar, which she started 30 years ago, which was an alternative presentation of lipstick lesbianism, which was considered radical back in 1989, (laughs) that lesbians would wear lipstick. It was radical. And now here we are with the two of you, and I guess we'll talk, you know, about, well, you both have to give sermons next week about Thanksgiving, so I'm sure you've been prepping your your notes about what you're going to say. So. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, we're doing thankful, grateful, blessed throughout the whole month. That's been our theme for the month of, mm-hmm. of uh, November because, you know, you can't wrap it all up in one day. Right. We, we really do want to um, make sure that people realize it's not just a one-day event, that we really do have to count our blessings all the time. Yep. And um, so, we you know, we have some plans coming up for Thanksgiving Day itself, but uh, – we are working on messages. Um, Lucia's been prodding me all the way over here on the drive <laughs> about what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You gonna do? <laughs> That's right. How are we going to do this? What are we going to say about that? So yeah, we're, we're trying to work in. We're even working in the World AIDS Day and and Advent. I mean, tis the season. It's like it piles it up. All, you yeah. know, the last it two months of the year. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's true. Thanksgiving is right up against World AIDS Day this it year. Is? Like yeah. they're back to back. Yes. Back to back. Yes. I I would suggest that this and Jason as our young millennial I hope you join the conversation okay okay all right I'm here here. I I would suggest that this is a very dark period of our history our entire country and so I think for a lot of people the idea of looking for things to be grateful for or to be happy about maybe it presents as a challenge and and what would you say about that well you know I think I think that, in a way, it's making it too hard and too simple at the same time. It's too hard to sit around and try and think up a list of, oh, well, you know, I'm happy about this, I'm glad about this, I'm happy about this. If you, however, are able to um, connect with a sense of life, I mean, we're alive. Mm -hmm. We're alive. Mm -hmm. And if we can look at it that way, Instead of looking for a list, looking for the overall fact that we're here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we can fight, mm-hmm. another, and day. we can win, and we have before, and, and we have before. <laughs> yeah, you know that's really. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm so I'm not so sure I'm happy we got you a sound effect board. <laughs> you you do that and I'm never expecting it and I'm like, like That's the point of it. I know. I'm startled out of my chair every time. Go with the flow. Go with the flow. But what Lucia is saying is correct. Even if you're feeling pain, you're it, it's a reminder that you are alive. Yes. That you have life mm-hmm. and that, you know, well, I did something to get this, so I it didn't just happen cuz I'm sitting here. Right, right. Right. So I was able to get up and I was able to move. I I was visiting back in Baton Rouge where I was the last 11 and a half years um before I came here a year and a half ago, um, pastoring and um I went out to visit Reverend Elder uh Rochelle Brown who was our last moderator, uh, interim moderator for uh, several years. And she has built a house. She inherited 20 acres of land out in the middle of Louisiana. I mean, like not in a town, out from the city. And I drove out there, and 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 we walked. We walked a lot of those acres that day. I will tell you <laughs> we walked, and she showed me the crawfish pond, and she showed me where the animals live and the, the wood ducks are 
you know, on this little pond and all this stuff. And we walked and walked, and she said, you know, I said, you've done an amazing. She just built a house out there, so I went to see the house. And she said, you know, I'm just, it's so peaceful out here. It's so wonderful to be out here and, and be with nature and to see all of this. And she said, and I've done a whole lot of work, and, and I'm, you know, I'm feeling my age, and I'm feeling the aches, but it just reminds me that I'm alive. And I thought, oh, Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So maybe I won't complain so much the next time I have an old age ache. <laughs> and when we talk about life, you know, we may think, oh, well, we're alive, we're here on Earth, that's, that's good. But we also have to think that when we have life, there's purpose that comes with it. There you go. And that we can do whatever we set our minds to and try to accomplish it with our life. Oh, you so. seem millennial enough. If I had a soundboard, I would be amen. <laughs> I would hit the amen button That's for just you. what I think of when I hear life. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's direction. Right. And, you know, people, oh, I don't want direction. You, sure you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I know people that are sitting around waiting for life. Right. They're, they're really oh. waiting for Right. To, to figure out, Don't you know, wait. waiting for it to come and sit in their lap kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, here I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell people the game is in play. No. The game is in play. You got to get out. Life is in play. It's not Do like it. something to reflect upon. It's actually happening yeah. day yes. to day. Get yes. in there. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. When we come back, gang, we'll be talking more about what we're all grateful for as LGBT people. Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Okay, my young millennial, I will give you a dollar if you can tell me who just sang that incredible song. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, thankful by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, Reverends A and B. (laughs) 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 Lucia and Keith. Um, I think for a lot of LGBT people, the start of the holidays is always tough because some of them are separated from traditional biological families. Some of them may feel alienation. Uh, Maybe there's a broken heart or a broken relationship that's occurred recently. I mean, all the holidays bring up all sorts of heavy emotions, I think, for people. What what do you counsel or pastor people? What do you say if someone's walking in this period of time feeling a bit, a bit blue? Well, you know, for one thing, I think that traditions and rituals really are important. So we need to build our own. Uh-huh. We need to treat ourselves with the, you know, the, the medicine that comes from you know the thing that broke our heart you know you know that old saying the way they used to mix medicine mm. <laughs> okay you you take some of what made you sick oh yeah a bit of the tail of the dog that bit you there you go something there like you that. go something like that don't look something at me like jason that. like that i don't know the exact expression it's some baby boomer thing trust me <laughs> oh it's older than older the than the baby boomers okay <laughs> a tip of the tail of the dog that bit you that's it but if we have new ways of celebrating and new ways of of expressing what our families are now our, our friend connections, you know, our, the communities that we have now, and have ways of celebrating that, you know, to fill up that hole, fill mm. up that gap. Mm-hmm. 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 Is that what you're doing this uh, Thanksgiving? What oh, you... that's what I always do. <laughs> okay. I'm always inventing some new kind of focus pocus. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then she drags the rest of us into it. That's the deal. <laughs> and but they're it's all good. willing. <laughs> we are. Well, it's always good. It's always good. I was telling you, I mean, she's saying it right. I'm, I'm from the East Coast. Most of my family has died. I've outlived most of them. I have some cousins that are alive. And yes, it would be great to go back home and see them. But they, you know, they all have their own family units, and and I don't quite fit in mm. because my parents are gone and my grandparents are gone, so I don't quite fit in. And so I've always depended on the church. The church has been my chosen family. And so, you know, we we try to do something at the church on Thanksgiving Day, on those holidays where where people are feeling lonely. It also is a trigger for those people that have addictions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always important that we keep the church open for those meetings to keep going. The, we have lot we have over 30 groups that meet in our building. And I think it's important that those groups know, oh, you know, sometimes they'll ask us, can we meet on Christmas Day? Is it okay? And we're like, well, of course, you can meet 365 every Mm -hmm. day. We want you to meet every day. 
Right, right, um, right. Because whatever triggers that, we want to make sure depression a lot of times comes with the holidays um, for whatever reason. Sometimes I don't even really feel like I have a reason to be depressed, but it's just kind of you feel blue mm. uh, with the holidays. It's a um, it's a sweetness that comes with the holidays. I love hearing the you, you know I'm I'm one that's you know it doesn't bother me that the that the Christmas music has started already. Yeah, yeah, you know, you and, love you know, all of it. I've had my Christmas tree up already. <laughs> oh know, my since God, before it's, not, it's not even oh, December before, ha- before Halloween. It's all good. Well, but here's the other piece of that. You know, some people say, well, why would you do that? It's because. I'm away so much as a minister. There are so many other activities that I have to be involved with. If I wait until December to to start, it'll never get done. I don't have time then to stop and do everything. Right, yeah, yeah. And I don't even have time to enjoy it, even if I do put it up, because I'm always out. Yeah. So I have to start early. So it doesn't bother me. You know, we have have really reached the bottom of the barrel of complaints if we're complaining about when people listen (laughs) to music and put their Christmas tree up, for heaven's sake. I always love the religious right with their battle cry this time of year, putting the Christ back in Christmas, it's like, I don't think it ever was taken out. I don't remember that. I I think Christmas pretty much gets attention all through October, November, and December. For real. What are they saying? I don't know what they're saying. You can say Uh, Merry Christmas again. It's like, Uh really? I never stopped, actually. I didn't think you couldn't do that. (laughs) Jason, what do you do? Because I know you're Muslim, but you celebrate all these holidays and so Yeah, of course. I mean, I do Christmas. We do Christmas as a family because it's fun. It's, It's the culture it's 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 just a good time you know and thanksgiving of course is no different i mean bringing family together is is something very special and same thing with christmas too you know uh it's all about family gatherings love all of that good stuff yeah so well i i'm like keith mozingo over here i i just go overkill because i've got my christmas tree i've got my manger scene i've got my already out no no not yet but i'm about to i've got my hanukkah menorahs two that are coming out one electric one brass (laughs) i've got my kwanzaa doll all seven Kwanzaa dolls that I'm going to put out. I like completely go for it. <laughs> completely go right. for Nothing it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's for me, it's a very raw, raw emotional time because I, I start to miss people who aren't here. Mm. You know, yes. family members yes. who passed yes. or friends who passed, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about them. And all of a sudden, I'm stuck in another period of time, and I'm getting blue, and I'm getting sad, and then I miss them, and then I have to convert that into I love them. I miss them because I love them yeah. so much, and yeah. then it's okay it's like i still love them and they still love me wherever they are we have to discern what is i'm feeling blue i'm being triggered for an addiction i'm depressed which is the extreme but what you're saying sometimes we just wax nostalgic yes and and it takes us to a different place and a different time that can never be right so there's just a a hint while i it's love you obviously loved that and and you like the memories of that but then you also remember you can't go back and you have to do something new right right and you have to honor Honor the past, mm-hmm. but don't get stuck there. Mm-hmm. I have, um, this is going to sound really corny, I have these teddy bears. Um, when my friends were sick and dying of AIDS in the hospital, often they were given teddy bears yes. uh, while they were there. Mm-hmm. And then when they would pass, mm-hmm. the surviving parents or partner would say, do you want his teddy bear? Started with one teddy bear. Now I have like 20 teddy bears. And every Christmas, those 20 teddy bears go under the Christmas tree. Now, you might think, is that really healthy, John? You know, it, it's very raw. It's very emotional. Yeah. But like you say, I, I am attaching, touching the past. I love yeah. that. I'm still in yes. the present yeah. and I'm moving forward to the future. Oh, my God. Jared Hill has just walked in the studio. Uh, I was I was trying to sneak in because I didn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. You 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 brought your meal. Do you, Reverend Keith Mozingo, Reverend Lucia Chappelle, over here from MCC Churches, and of course Jason Y, our producer. Yes, yeah. Jared, we're talking about what we're all going to be doing for the holidays. I don't know if you're ready to chime in about what you're doing for Thanksgiving and Christmas. My dad gave me the call yesterday morning, like so. are you coming for the holidays? Or I was like, oh, I don't actually think I'm going to be able to do it this year. And he was like. Oh, okay. And I was like, uh, but I can call you back. I'm not sure because I'm trying to get out the door. It was, it was awkward. But yeah, I don't. I I generally, 
enjoy like on an ideal year I love doing Friendsgiving right and then uh, Christmas with family oh okay yeah wait is your family here in Los Angeles or my somewhere? family's in the Bay Area ah uh, okay so um, they're a little bit further away but it's not too far but like just with work and everything this year it just doesn't really work out to mm-hmm. be able to go home mm-hmm. yeah um, and my mom just moved to she moved out of state this week and so it's like it's a whole different thing this year so I don't know hmm. so what are you gonna do for Christmas I don't know yet. I, I I have a trip to go on the day after Christmas from here, so it's like going out of town would be weird. I don't know. I It's still very up in the air for me for it to only be a week away for Thanksgiving, and then Christmas is like right after. So Yeah. yeah. Do you set up a tree? I set up a tree last year for the first time because the guy I was dating really loved Christmas, but we're not together anymore, so it's so, a little bit triggering. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll see. Are you, are you associating Christmas trees with your past boyfriend? A little bit. A little bit. At wow. least that one. Because I, I, well, it's a, it's a fake tree, and like so, it's still in my closet somewhere. Oh, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh, be fun It's a fake that. tree, just like he was. Wow. 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 I hate. I don't hate him. We're good. We're friendly. I just I, I might give it to him because yeah. I don't know that yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, who hasn't had their heart broken around the holidays, right? That's the whole Michael, what's his name, song. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. The very next day, you threw it away. There you go. There you go. Thanks for that, John. You're welcome. Thanks. I'm going to take that with me for the rest of the day. It's very therapeutic to go ahead and set it up anyway. I, I think Just I should give past it to him. Experience. Well, you can do that, but you still need to decorate some for Christmas for yourself. Yeah. Even if it's yeah. in a small way. Yeah, I, every year I always say I'm going to decorate for Christmas, but then I never ended up doing it. So then last year when I did it, I was like, oh, look at me, I decorated for Christmas. Mm. So we'll see. I probably will do it this year. When we come back, we'll be listening to Jared Hill and whether he celebrates Kwanzaa or not. Ah. Because I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. I do. Nice. I'm right. 12% black, you know. I told you that last I'm, week. I'm 81% black. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Gang, we'll be right back. Welcome back, gang. We are in studio with an incredible group of people. The Reverend Lucia Chappelle from the MCC Churches. The Reverend Keith Mazingo from the MCC Churches. Jared Hill, who's coming up next. And, uh, of course, Jason Y, behind the boards. Yes, yes. And we're talking about the upcoming holidays, traditions, what makes us blue and what makes us happy. And before the break, we talked about Kwanzaa, because Kwanzaa's coming up, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is basically, I, I, I think... An African traditional holiday about the seasons and about the uh, periods of life that have been incorporated into the holidays. Yeah. And I know that Hanukkah actually was not historically in the month of December, but the Jewish community feeling left out kind of threw Hanukkah in to December to try to get it there. But I also know that the Christians, that uh, the birth Mm -hmm, of Jesus mm -hmm. was probably in April, not in December, but they threw it into December Mm -hmm. because of the pagan winter solstice. So Mm -hmm. it seems like all cultures just kind of decide to toss it in to December. It's a good time for a holiday, you know, right. it's it, the day, the nights are long, it's cold, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You, you need to have something that associated with fire and light and candles, and so there you have it. I never thought Kwanzaa about it like that. was actually not a traditional African holiday. Oh, I didn't it was know that. Invented here. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh. Maulanga, Maulani Rankawenga. Um, it created it here in yes, the States? Yes, I yes. thought it was an He's ancient Jaffa. Still, I think, currently a professor at Long Beach, huh. Cal State Long Beach. Yeah, um, it's not an old tradition. But no, 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 no. Huh. He, it was. Are you Googling it, Jared? Good for you if no, you are. No, I'm not Googling I totally know all these things already. <laughs> no, you do not. You do not. Absolutely you know that. Not. It was founded yeah, yeah, yeah. by Maulana Karenga and was first yeah. celebrated in 1966 through 1967. <laughs> I completely know that he's 78 years old and is currently an author and a scholar, and his wife's name is Brenda. <laughs> I knew that. Well, his ex-wife, apparently. Right, Thank well, you, Wikipedia. Yeah. We're all learning something. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I guess here's the point, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you bring up a really good point that the historically pagan people, or, or you know, or ancient people, in the coldest part of winter, sought the hearth of the fire to stay warm to survive. There you go into the spring, mm-hmm. and so all of these cultures and traditions have placed themselves into that same pattern. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a good way to look at it: finding the light in the middle of the winter. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like that's an int- I never thought about uh, the end of the year being such a good time for holidays in this way. I never thought about it from the fire and the darkness and the mm-hmm. long nights kind of thing. That's a really interesting uh, perspective on on the holiday season. Though. Yeah. Well, it's the the winter equinox, right? It's equinox is not just a gem. It's it not just means, a gem. It means something. <laughs> um, I, it's interesting because I always, whenever uh, you know, uh, June twenty first or twenty second is the is summer solstice and mm-hmm. it begins, and I always think of it as like the slow decline into the holidays because like the days start getting shorter. <laughs> And I don't know why, but I've always thought of it that way. And like summer is always like the march toward the holidays in my mind. So right, right. Yeah. All right, favorite holiday show, movie, oh. something that oh. you've got to watch. Okay, when I was a kid, I used to come home and watch Home Alone every day. Like Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin. It's a Christmas movie, but I could watch it all year round. I just found out Disney Plus has it, so it's about to be a good holiday season. So I love that movie. Reverend Keith, which is the one you're going to watch for sure? Uh, well, uh, every year I have to watch Rudolph. I just have to. With Burl Ives. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the original old, the old with Burl Ives. Yes. The claymation. I still love it. Does that date back year. to being a child for you? Like it was yes. nostalgic for you? When I was a child. And, and you know, I thought it was the greatest thing. All of the, And it's you look at it now and think, I really thought that was great. <laughs> but we even, my mom even bought the, the record album of Burl Ives' song, all of Have the songs. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Oh, yeah. it was amazing. And, and loving loving his voice. I still love his voice yeah. after all these years. That's awesome. Reverend Lucia, is there a favorite? Holiday? Absolutely. Which, which one? 1951 Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. Oh. Absolutely. The ghost yes. of Christmas yes. past, present, oh. and future. The classic movie. I love the Ebenezer Scrooge story. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's Jason, awesome. if we're, if we're I gonna... don't have one. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> But I'm just the, well. I'm just the kind of guy that will just go on Netflix every year, Dude, see what's popping, love and actually, then watch it, uh, love, and then get in the mood for it. Have you heard of it? I can, I can see that. Yeah. Love actually. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, you need to watch Love Actually. Okay, what's it <laughs> about? Is that your favorite? That's my favorite Christmas. Uh, okay, I mean, okay. It's about all these different people, and they're coming into the holidays, and their their lives are chaotic and full of stress and scattered every which way, and then they ultimately get to the whole point of the holiday, which is love. Listen, this wouldn't be a gay radio station if I didn't shout out. Um, you mentioned A Christmas Carol, or Irvin Lucia. Um, Vanessa Williams did a remake of that movie called A Diva's Christmas Carol. Mm. And let me tell you, it is some classic mm. television movie. Does Vanessa play Ebenezer's character? Well, um, her name isn't Ebenezer. Her name is, I don't want to mess this up, but she plays like the title character. She plays the, the lead character, and um, she is a nightmare. She's a, a bit of a terror. I and, love that. Yeah, no, She's fantastic, and it's uh, it's it's just delicious. And of course, you know what I love the best is the ghost of Christmas present when he lifts up his red mm. skirt. The two little children clinging to his mm. legs represent ignorance and, and want. F- and want. Mm. Yeah, yeah, ignorance mm. and want. That's Charles Dickens. Right? Her name. Her name in the movie is Ebony Scrooge. Ebony. 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 Yes, that's right. Oh, I remember yeah. now. She's a I singer. Yeah, yeah. She's nice. a singer, and she is a nightmare. Ebony Scrooge. Uh, but she's fantastic in the movie. So um, yes. I'm, a, I'm a black gay man. I do love me a Vanessa Williams movie. So, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jason, come January, you're going to come back and report to us what's your favorite holiday <laughs> movie. You got to have one. That's tough, though, we'll Jason. Make you a because, because everyone told me that I have to watch Hocus Pocus because I had never seen it. Oh yeah, I and I that. was like, oh, I never saw it. And they were like, you've never seen Hocus Pocus. But I think that was one of those things that I had to have seen back in the day because I started watching it, and then 25 minutes in, I woke up realizing I'd fallen asleep oh, and like no. turned it off. It didn't. It didn't hit. It, for me as an adult like yeah, as I, I, I loved it yeah Miracle on 34th Street Jason you know this one that's a good Christmas I, I'm gonna have to write these down oh now. my god I, not I am texting you over the holidays when we're on station break yeah, you get need the, to watch some of these you have to get the black and white the black and white I was gonna white. say not colorized not colorized yes got it okay and the very ultimate gay Christmas movie Anti-Mame Anti Mame. Write that down. Anti Mame. You've never seen Anti Mame, no, Jared? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, I am having oh. a heart attack. I am this, so sorry. This baby boomer is Take about to okay, die. Okay, boomer. No, okay, yeah. boomer. We talked about that earlier. Okay, boomer. Anti Mame, 1957 59, Rosalind Russell mm. plays okay. this eccentric gay aunt who's got her nephew, who she's now taken over because his, his dad died. Okay. And she is the most chaotic, wild, loving, Centric character, and they show lesbians, and they oh, show gay men, the and they talk about free sex. This is 1957. I or know. 58. Auntie Mame. A M. Okay, not with Lucille Ball. Do not see the Lucille Ball version; it'll kill you. You'll fall asleep. Lucille Ball is horrible. The black and white version. Yeah. 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 
Anti, that's it. Anti name with right. Rosalind Russell. I'm gonna have to buy that, it because it's not on any streaming service, John. Oh my God. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> if you don't like it, let us know. We'll pay for it. I will. Yeah. I'm gonna rent it for two ninety nine, and I will be looking for my money. I if it's will. Done. I will. I will buy you two ninety nine. I guarantee you. You're gonna okay. love. This is a favorite Christmas holiday show for me every year. Okay, Auntie so Mame. Justin, you've got Anti Mame, A Diva's Christmas Carol. Yes, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Street, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reinder, Claymation. I am going to. I'm Don't and, worry. Love Do not actually. Worry. And love actually. Yes. And love all actually. Right. Love yes. actually. Which all I. Right. All of those are imperative. Imperative must. I'm gonna have a whole month full of Christmas movies now. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. All right, gang. When we come back, we'll talk about the true meaning of the holidays and get off of television. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in here on Channel Q. Welcome back, gang. We're in the closing part of our show, and I'm here with Reverend Lucia Chappelle from the MCC Church, Reverend Keith Mozingo from the MCC Church, Jared Hill, who's coming up next on his show, and Jason Y behind the boards, and we're talking about the holidays, and uh, I guess at the end of the day, after all the TV specials, after all the shopping, after all the traditions, after all the food, after all the celebration, ultimately it must come down to something for each of us, I'm guessing, this holiday period, so... Lucia, what, hmm. what 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 would you what how, what would you boil it all down to at the end of the day? Uh, a bang up end and a great beginning. Hmm. Hmm. You know, we're about to go around the cycle again. So give it a bang up end and get ready for a great beginning. Twenty twenty, big year. Wow. Big year, whole lot of big stuff mm-hmm. on the agenda. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it's almost overwhelming to think about. It, the year it ahead. is. It is. Yep. Well, I think Keith? I think it, she hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, we have this time of of recentering about being thankful mm-hmm. for things, and and like I told you before, we do it the whole month uh, at church. That is a the theme for the whole month of November, and then we go into Advent, and for the for the Christian church. Um, Advent is the beginning. You know, it, it's the start of a new year. So it's kind of like you start the new year in December. Mm-hmm. You start the new church year in December. And so for me, it's like you get through the holidays. And this is no, this is no lie. This is honest confession of the Christian church pastor. Uh-oh. I'm just telling you that at <laughs> as soon as Christmas Eve service is over. Keith is out. <laughs> I'm just, I, I need like a week. So leave it's me like, alone. Just do not, don't don't call me, don't email me. You know, Jesus is finally here. Y'all go concentrate on him. Y'all go over there and worship him. Like, Lord, I don't want to learn any lessons in the next go, week. Don't teach me I nothing. I am out. I am through. I am through. I love it. <laughs> They're like, you, are we having a watch night service? I'm like, oh, no, hell no. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I love that. I love that. Go so party. Much. There are bars open. There are, there are parties going on. He said, I'm going to be watching at oh, home for watching. Watch yeah. the ball drop. Exactly. Watch the ball drop. I love that. Oh, dear mercy me. There we go. There it goes. Jared, what's it boiled down to for you? I, um, I, I've been trying to really embrace like uh, thinking about gratitude every day and like trying to find something, the, the things that I'm grateful for every morning. Um, and so I have a different appreciation for gratitude. Like it's, it's growing. And, and finding more importance for me every day. And so I love that there's a period of time where, you know, more people are focused on gratitude and being thankful for, you know, life or whatever it is that they're grateful for. So that's been really fantastic to me um, for the holidays. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I, I kind of love getting to talk to people about what they're grateful for because at, at a time where things are so dark and so frustrating for a lot of people and confusing and hectic and all that, like, there's so much positivity and warmth in having a conversation with someone about what they're grateful for. Mm. So I really, really love that. Mm. Jason, why you want to chime in on all this about the holidays? Oh, they don't mean anything to you. You haven't seen any of the specials. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, the holidays, like I said, they're a great time for a family to come together. Right? This is what it's all about. It's all about love, friendship, family, all of that good stuff. It's about. Um, you know, wrapping up the year as well for you, you know, reminiscing on what you did and thinking about how you can improve yourself for the next year to come. Yeah. You know? 
So And so my two cents on all this, from Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve, I feel like I am going 120 miles per hour. Yep. Like, you know, I'm shopping, yes. I'm buying gifts, I'm mailing stuff, putting up trees, putting up Hanukkah menorahs, you know, running around, got Christmas Eve service, got this, see my family, Christmas tamales, blah, blah, blah. and then Christmas Wait, morning. Christmas tamales? Tamales are the best. Mm. Are you bringing some? I will bring some for you. Oh, They're the best. They're the best. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. And then Christmas morning comes, and in West Hollywood, almost everybody has left and gone somewhere else. Oh. City of West Hollywood is so quiet, you will not see a car go by for minutes at a time. That's a nice change of pace. so quiet. And that is my favorite part, because that's the moment I just sit there and just think yeah, and let it all go, like you say, in preparation for the New Year. So it's in the quiet moments mm-hmm. of the holidays that I find the most meaning. I think that's kind of common here for yeah. all of us. Like, rush, yeah. rush, 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 rush. Absolutely. <laughs> Big rush. release. There's Big. nothing better than just a, a good, quiet night, like a yeah. quiet day or something. Silent night. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. I see what you did there. You see what I did there? That's a song. That is a <laughs> song. Author unknown, actually. You're such Silent an encyclopedia. I am the... Oh, thank you, Jason. Wow, Jason. What? The Muslim knows the song. The Muslim straight guy knows the song, the and he can sing. I mean, that's amazing. There he is with the rim shot and all. I will bring you Christmas tamales. Um, yeah. you, I'm holding you to that. Yeah, man. I will bring you there. So it's a great Mexican tradition. Christmas I am tamales. Yeah. So happy right now. What am I grateful for? Christmas tamales. Yeah. <laughs> so so great. Favorite food of the season? Anybody else before we wrap up today? Mm, oh I know. gosh, there's so many. Mm. I love. Love me some turkey, though. I oh, gotta yeah. say, That's really, I, I go Thursday. off of my I go off of my uh, vegetarian thing, and I d- dive into some turkey. <laughs> I, I find turkey a little dry, in my opinion. I prefer like chicken more. You know, like you it cannot, depends on how it's cooked. Uh, you cannot do chicken on Thanksgiving Day, Jason. I love I do, chicken. I don't care. Oh. It's Thanksgiving. You need to have turkey. That juicy <laughs> white meat chicken coming out of the oven. I mean, there's see, I'm a dark meat chicken person. Oh, you're a dark. Yeah, because okay. I feel like the, that's a whole other conversation. Oh my God! Did we not? Did we, I, 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 the darker the berry. Oh, the, the darker the berry, Ooh, the stronger the sweeter the, 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 the juice. The, the darker right. the chicken, the more flavorful it is. It's it. for me. Like <laughs> it's just so good. That's yeah, true. yeah. That's but you, true. you're asking favorite foods, and I, for me, it's like a it's like a, a a pairing of all these things that I love. Like I love macaroni and cheese with yams, with ham, and with dressing or stuffing, or mm. some people call it stuffing filling or whatever. Um, those things together are the holidays for me. Hmm. And I will eat them it, all it's week long. Be eggnog for me. Eggnog. Just oh, I, eggnog. I love this time of year to get the eggnog. Oh. I've already had some. <laughs> he's having it now. How he's having it. Well, Gary has his Christmas tree up. Of course, he's going to have the eggnog. Of course, he's got his eggnog. Point taken. Point taken. God, my God, gang, we're out. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you back. We'll be back December the sixth. Uh, have a great holiday. Thank you, Reverend Keith, Reverend Lucia, for coming on Thank the show. Thank you for having Jared, us, Jared. Thanks for joining the conversation course, as yes. always. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in on Channel Q.